Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. When I was in college, I landed a summer job as a dishwasher. Seeing a lot of barely contained jealousy on your faces. <laughs> you can relax. I actually really liked this job. It was one of my favorite jobs that I've ever had. But at the same time, I know it doesn't sound very glamorous, dishwasher. My friends were working in recording studios, or they had internships and ministry positions where I knew I wanted to end up. Some of my friends were musicians, and so they spent the summers touring. And dishwasher just didn't really have the same glam or gravitas as some of the summer jobs that my friends had. It sounded mundane. So I tried something one night while I was catching up with some friends. When the conversation about summer jobs came up, rather than saying I was a dishwasher, I told them that I got a summer job as a hydroceramic sanitation technician. <laughs> And when I said this, one of my friends looked at me and she was like, wow, I'm just a camp counselor. <laughs> Suddenly everyone wanted to know about the glamour and intrigue involved in the world of hydroceramics. Until they put two and two together and realized that that was just a fancy way to say that I was washing dishes in a bar at night. We human beings like to rank and categorize and compare. When we're talking about summer jobs, there's something within us that ranks them in such a way that causes people to say things like, well, I'm just a camp counselor, which implies that it's somewhere lower on the hierarchy of importance than a hydroceramic sanitation technician, until people realize what that actually is. We do this with the cars that we drive, we do this with the schools that we go to, we do this uh, with the restaurants where we eat. We have this impulse to rank and compare and label some things as more important, more significant, more special than other things. It's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, it's just something that we do. So in our gospel lesson this morning, we're told that there's a big crowd that's been following Jesus around. And the word that the gospel writer uses that's translated as crowd is an important word. In Greek, it's the word oklos. 
It's an important word because it implies that this crowd, this particular gathering of people, is a mixed bag of people. It's not a homogenous group. It's a diverse group of people. So there would have been some people who were extremely religious or spiritual, and then some people who really didn't think about those sorts of things. Or there would have been people who were following Jesus out of a deep curiosity about his teachings, or maybe just some people following him around because they heard that he could heal people. Maybe some people were just following him around because they wanted to see him do some of these magic tricks. Netflix was still about 2,000 years away. They had to entertain themselves somehow in the meantime, right? So why not follow Jesus? There was also another dynamic that existed in this crowd. During this time in history, the Romans were occupying the land of Israel. So this means you had people in the crowd who believed that their strength came from being a part of this big military superpower called the Roman Empire. And then there were the people right next to them who they were regularly persecuting and regularly crucifying. So this group, this crowd, had the same impulse that all of us humans have when we're talking about our vacations or summer jobs or cars or grades. They categorized and they compared and they ranked. Because after all, how could you not when you're in a mixed bag of a crowd like this? So in all likelihood, there were some people who were thinking, I must be the most spiritual, the most religious person in this big group of sinners. Or there were probably some Romans in the crowd who were thinking, we win, you lose, we conquered your territory, we own you. Everyone likely had some sort of understanding of who was better than whom and why. And there was a word that people would use when they felt like they had a higher ranking compared to everyone else. They would have said that they were blessed. Sometimes we still use this word. Like when I wear my clergy collar out in public, rather than someone telling me, have a good day, they might feel free to say something like, you be blessed now. But more likely, we use words like happy, lucky, fortunate. They would have said blessed. Blessed also meant that someone was in good standing with God or with the gods because good things were happening to them. So we have this diverse crowd, a a diverse crowd of humans. And since they're humans, this crowd is categorizing and comparing and ranking who's better and who's worse. Who's blessed, lucky, privileged, fortunate, special, significant, and who isn't. So Jesus looks out at this big crowd and he addresses this. He starts naming the types of people in the crowd who should be considered blessed or lucky or privileged or having some sort of special status with God or the the gods. And he starts with saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Already from this opening line, people would have been shocked because blessed people weren't poor in spirit. Blessed people were really spiritual. They quoted Bible verses. They went to church camp. They called people sister or brother. That's the kind of person who was blessed. But Jesus starts addressing this crowd with their very strict definitions of blessedness by saying, Oh, you know who has a really special status with God? The people who are spiritually poor. And then a few verses later, he says something similar. He'll say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. Quick question here. If you're hungry or thirsty for something, does it mean that you have an abundance of it? No. No, it means you're lacking. So Jesus says, you know who's really privileged? You know who's in with God? People who lack righteousness. Now, again, this would be shocking and offensive to people who are completely convinced that blessedness meant that you were very righteous. Another verse says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, we tend to think of meek as a virtue, but it would have been a little bit more of an insult in the ancient world. So, for example, when I was younger, I hated gym class. But Jeff, you're so athletic. I know. (laughs) I know, but it's true. (laughs) I hated gym class because we used to play dodgeball. Yeah, I hated dodgeball. (laughs) But I also hated getting bad grades, so I had to do something. So what I would do is I'd kind of hang out in the back. And maybe get a look on my face like I had some sort of strategy going. Like. <laughs> and then at some point, a ball would be thrown near me. So I'd stick out my hand like I was trying to catch it. And then, well, golly, it'd just slip right from my hands. And then I'd be out. So, oh, fiddlesticks. Now I had to sit on the bleachers and chat with my friends instead of getting pelted with dodgeballs. <laughs> now, let me be clear. I'm not sharing this with you because I'm proud of it. (laughs) I'm sharing it with you because it's this sort of last kid picked, sticks out his hand in dodgeball kind of person that would have been the the definition of meek for ancient people. They weren't thinking of it as virtuous humility. They were thinking of it as weakness, or we might say wimpiness. So Jesus says it's these people who are blessed. And not only are these people blessed, but they're going to inherit the earth. The Roman Empire was literally inheriting the earth during this time. They were conquering new territories, new plots of earth on a regular basis. And they weren't doing that by being meek or wimpy. They were doing that through torture, violence, and brute strength. So the meek being blessed and inheriting the earth... No one in the crowd was thinking that this was what blessedness looked like. Likewise, when he calls the merciful and the peacemakers blessed, everyone would have been thinking that it's the Romans who were the fortunate ones, the privileged ones, and they didn't get that status through being merciful or peacemakers. They expanded by being merciless. So if we want to summarize what Jesus is saying, it could be as simple as, hey, All of you people who know who ranks where in the list of blessedness, take that list, tear it up, burn it. Blessed are the people who have no business being called blessed. It's strange. I used to think that this passage that we call the Beatitudes was a to-do list. Like I had to try super hard to be more meek or try super hard to be a peacemaker. But when we take a closer look at the Beatitudes, we see things that Jesus wouldn't want for anyone, like spiritual bankruptcy or mourning. So it can't be a to-do list. So what is it? I think that what we have in the Beatitudes isn't a list of things we need to do in order to be blessed. 
Instead, I think the Beatitudes are there to draw attention to the reality that there is no list. There is no list. It's a grand pronouncement that every last one of us is blessed or significant or important. That we have good standing with God that we didn't earn because even the very concept of earning is ridiculous in the economy of God's blessing. So maybe you're listening to this and you're exhausted because you've been trying to earn your blessing. Maybe you think that you'll finally be right with God or whole or complete or whatever language you use if you just get over the next hump. Or just understand the stage of life you're in. Just get a promotion. Just start doing work that people can look at and call significant. Get rid of all the doubts that you have. If you're tired because you've been caught up in that, there's good news in the Beatitudes, which is that you can finally stop. Stop trying to earn what you already have. Or maybe you're listening to this and you're offended. Because you're thinking, I've worked very hard to earn my holiness and significance, thank you very much. And now you're trying to say that God just throws around these blessings indiscriminately? Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying here. In fact, Jesus tells a lot of stories and parables that illustrate this point. They usually involve a party where everyone has been invited, but then there's a person or a group of people who don't like that the invitation was so open, so they excuse themselves from the party, and they stew outside. So we can double down and say that we need to earn our blessings, but Jesus tells us that all we're doing when we double down is excluding ourselves from one amazing party, just because we think we're the only ones who should have been invited. We still obsess about blessedness. We still have a running list of who's more fortunate or special or significant based on money or clothes or social status or how spiritual you are. But Jesus reminds us of the, of the reality that there actually is no list. There's no list, and instead of a list, there's a party where apparently... Everyone has been invited. And you may think that you haven't earned an invitation or that you didn't deserve one, but guess what? You're already at the party. Or maybe you think that you're at the party because you deserve to be and other people don't. Blessedness, religion, spirituality, it's not about trying to figure out who got an invitation and why. It's about waking up to the fact that we all ended up at the same party together. So why not learn how to celebrate together? Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.